0: Welcome to the Rennie Podcast, a podcast about the real estate market and the people connected by it. We seek to empower our listeners to make informed decisions while providing context for the real estate world around them. We hope that with every episode, you become a little more knowledgeable and a lot more curious. Hello, everyone. Today, we're discussing the latest residential real estate data across the Vancouver region for June 2022. We'll focus on the following three insights. Market activity slowed in June much more than the typical seasonal decline. The single family segment is detached from the multifamily market, and prices have started to decline, but affordability isn't improving. My name is Justine Liu, I'm managing broker at Rennie, and we have a bit of a different setup today as Ryan Berlin, Rennie's Director of Intelligence, is on vacation, so joining me as always is Ryan Wise, Rennie's Senior Analyst with our Intel team, and I'm also super excited to welcome Paul Wong, a Rennie leader who has been with us since 2006. So we have a lot to talk about today, so welcome and thank you for joining us.
1: Hey Justine, hey Paul, how's everyone doing? Fantastic, thanks
2: for having me uh, Ryan and Justine
0: You're welcome and thanks for being on the podcast I was actually just talking prior to um, the podcast going live That Paul is notorious for singing his happy birthday songs to everybody So he gave us a little sneak peek Mm -hmm. of that earlier on Very
1: impressive
2: It's just a little bit of love uh, every day It's one to nine people And if I I know you and we love each other You're going to get a live song
0: That's amazing And you also returned back from uh, a really great vacation Bora Bora How was that? The weather was good. I I would love to hear more about it later.
2: You bet. It was fantastic.
0: Amazing. So we have a lot to talk about today. So let's get into our first insight. Insight number one, market activity slowed in June much more than the typical seasonal decline. The stats show that sales were down 13% from May to June, which is the typical seasonal pattern is roughly 4%. So Ryan, can you tell me a little bit more about this?
1: Yeah, sure. So I think, um, you know, it's, it's probably not a huge surprise to anyone who watches the market closely. Um, the top line numbers for june for vancouver region uh, they they look to be telling a pretty straightforward story that's declining sales it's increasing inventory and overall sort of a mar- moderating of market conditions you know the, these all these things are happening sort of alongside rapidly rising interest rates rising in high inflation um and given sort of this economic backdrop mm-hmm. it's you know like i say it's not that much of a surprise that demand for housing in our region has softened of late and actually demand for housing pretty much everywhere has softened of late. And uh, when you add in sort of what we're calling 2022 being the year of travel, um, maybe this is also a bit of summer coming early. Uh, when we look at the numbers, so you mentioned the, de- the decrease from May to June Um, if we compare it to 2021, they're 38% lower for sales, but of course, 2021 is not a great year to compare to because that was such an outlier. So let's look at the past 10 year averages we love to do. And June sales were 26% lower. So it's a lot, a lot slower June than even the typical June. Um, and so if it's a summer come early thing, Hey, let's look at July and August, you know, those really. Historically slower Mm -hmm. summer months. And we find is that the June sales were again, slower than the typical july slower than the typical august um and then inventory is increasing but actually it's increasing at a slowing rate which which i think is pretty interesting so inventory was only up about five percent from may to june um inventory is still relatively constrained there's just over sixteen thousand homes for sale at the end of june which is 16 percent fewer than is normal or typical um, so the reason for that is that new listings have slowed as well so new listings the number of listings coming to market in a given month were really elevated from February right through May, even Mm -hmm. when the market started to slow. Listings were still really high in May. And then in June, now they're 1% below sort of that long-run average. So it's not just buyers, not just that demand side being a bit less active in June, but it's also those would-be sellers coming to market. So, Paul, I I wouldn't mind getting your take on this. Like, What are your clients telling you right now? Do they want to take the summer off and go to Bora Bora (laughs) <laughs> Are they playing wait and see on interest rates on prices? I'd love you know to get some insight into like what they're telling you right now.
2: Well, Ryan, that's a great question. You know, um, you know, the, it, there's a there's definitely a shift when you know you call your inspector, you call your lawyer, and your boxing coach, and they're all on vacation. Yeah, and, and your
1: senior <laughs> economist too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
2: Um, but, uh, you know, people are still, uh, we're on the ground running mm-hmm. and, um, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a pause out there and, uh, there's actually a lot of space to fill up. So the nice thing is that for the people that are motivated, serious, whether they're sellers or buyers, um, you know, that's, this is a time to actually really build that relationship and continue that talk. And, uh, I think the experts out there, uh, can really fill in that space.
1: So you know, earlier this year there was such a sense of urgency for both buyers and sellers, uh, especially those looking to sell and then buy. Um, like, what's the tempo like right now as we sort of move into those slower summer months?
2: You know, uh, it's it's great. I think you point out uh, people's expectations, and uh, the ones I find that whether they're sellers or buyers out there, uh, the ones that can really um, shift their expectations mm-hmm. um, are the ones who will do really well from here on forward. I think the ones that uh, are kind of uh, hang on to yesterday's uh, um, motivations, momentum, pricing and marketing uh, are going to be kind of falling behind. Um, uh, again, you know, in a way, are you talking to a person that, uh, you know, has taken three months for that build up to sell that house? And that's a different talk. Or are you talking to someone who maybe couldn't mm-hmm. sell their house and now they're back on the market three months later? Um, uh, two very different questions.
1: hmm. We've talked before about how um, not everyone's affected by rising interest rates equally. Um, Do you see that sort of, say the downsizer segment, those with a lot of equity to play with? Do you see them maybe getting a little more into this market as they sort of have more opportunity to make different moves or things like that?
2: It's great that uh, you know uh, real estate. It's it's all encompassing, but then there you know t- two very different segments, as you point out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first time home buyers with a specific price point, but also the the downsizers. Um, you know, with a lot of equity, and um, you know things like um, you, you know, if you're seventy to ninety years old, and and during the open house, it's you know I got to get down those stairs to let mm-hmm. you know Mr. and Mrs. Uh, listing agent get in there for the, the open house. Whereas, you know, an up and coming first time home buyer I mean, they're in love, they've just gotten married, and they're just they're so eager, they want their dream home. So you have these two very, very different segments with very different expectations. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty wonderful to work with both.
0: Um, how has that impacted your clients directly? So the one people that you are directly working with?
2: Another great question, Justine. Um, And you know, when you, uh, I, I don't equate this to you know all examples, but when you know when you talk about empty nesters and downsizers, and you might talk about a a price point that's one point five million to five million, say, um, there's a lot of uh, conversation and relationship building with sellers in this, uh, in this segment. Um, For the first time, home buyers. Um, you are dealing with a lot of buyers. Say, let's just call it, uh, you know, sub a million dollars, right? That six hundred thousand dollar one bedroom or eight hundred fifty thousand dollar two bedroom. Um, so, um, and two different ways of uh, setting expectations with sellers and buyers. Two very different markets.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, like you said, the expectation is different because also the price point is very different. Mm-hmm. For some home buyers, very sensitive in pricing, whereas the downsizers they have a little bit of equity to play with so mm-hmm. but it's more so how much money they want to keep in their pocket at the end of the day
2: exactly exactly
0: so that takes us into insight number two the single family segment is detached from the multi-family market so last month we discussed detached homes having entered into a balanced territory how does this compare to other homes in the market now ryan
1: yeah so we talked about this last month for the first time in f- what seemed like forever um, for at least one of our product segments we were into balanced territory sales to listings ratios uh, we we talk about sales and we talk about listings often we just aggregate for all home types across the region and that usually paints us a pretty good picture of what's happening in our, in our local market at any given time um, but we're really seeing this sort of asymmetry at play mm-hmm. um and when we break down our market it, it's become more obvious maybe this month compared to last month Um, so sales were down relative to the past 10 year averages. We talked about it in insight number one, uh, and they were down for all product segments. Um, but the decline was very different for detached versus the other two. So detached home sales were down 49% below the past 10 year average. Whereas for townhomes, it was 15% for condos. It was 5%. And then back to that new listings topic. So again, the number of new listings coming to market, this is where I think it really came to play. Um. Detached new listings were 16% below the typical June, and townhome listings were 22% above, condo listings were 8% above. Um, So these two more affordable product segments, which by the way are still in seller's market territory, Mm -hmm. even as they've slowed down activity-wise, Um, their sales to listings ratios finished at 32% for condos, 31% for, for townhomes. So again, pretty deep in the seller's market. So yes, they've come down from those really lofty numbers that we talked about earlier this year. Um, but these conditions still really favor sellers. So, you know, as detached has now dropped to 14%, really in the middle of balanced market territory, it's condo and townhome sellers sellers still feel like they have uh, a good market to get into, even if sales are coming off there's still more buyers or would be buyers than there are would be sellers right. out there
0: so for paul with you know him being on the ground and talking to his clients what is do you, what are you hearing from your clients you know why is it slowing down why is everybody kind of taking that break right now is it because it's the summer months or is there also something else in the in the background that's you know on their mind
2: yeah, um, I think uh, if someone was, uh, you know, buyers uh, that are starting right now and for a search, I think definitely the, 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 the typical Vancouver real estate uh, talk has kind of taken a, a backseat. It's more, you know, where, where can we vacation and why are the airlines are struggling mm-hmm.
1: and hmm.
2: don't go to Pearson because you're going to get lost in that airport, right? right. Um, but then again, we, you know, it's been such a challenge uh, these past two, three years Uh, for buyers who actually haven't found anything yet and so uh, they haven't given up they're still out there i think they're a little exhausted um but the the beautiful thing now is that um you know we can relate to pre covid times where there's terms like you know what's a subject to sale you know and how does that affect you and uh you know and these subjects you know to your offers they do matter whether you're a seller or a buyer um, and so there's different strategies because we have more time. So when, when that rare listing does come up and you know, there's going to get a lot, lot of eyes on it because it's rare and it's mm-hmm. unique. Um, there's strategies that now buyers can employ to actually win that
1: home. I yeah. think that's something we're hearing from a lot of people. It's that good product is still selling. And it's that maybe that, um, some listing that needs a little bit of work or it's not quite right for a lot of people. It's, mm-hmm. it's a little bit longer. Um, but we've talked about for quite a while, this this notion of the chase for space, those, these last couple of years, mm-hmm. and how that's drove driven the detached home market, and it really pushed prices up for a couple of years. Um, and then you sort of pair those prices with increased borrowing costs, rising inflation. Um, so the cost of owning a home has really gone up. And now you add in that a lot of us are back to the office, either full-time or or hybrid. People are traveling again as we, we keep like to talking about because we all wish we are on vacation. <laughs> um, we're generally spending less time at home now. Um, it's certainly less than we have been for the last two years. So maybe there's sort of less demand for that big house with that outdoor space that people really craved in 2020 and 2021. Um, so I, and I think it's sort of in line with some of the expectations we've talked about on the podcast in earlier months this year, that the detached market had sort of moved. The quickest and the furthest on price on constrained inventory, and it was most likely to sort of see, to sort of come back. Um, and what I think is interesting is, is how much faster that this product segment has shifted into balanced territory than than condo and in particular townhomes, because I think we included townhomes in in that sort of chase for space mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. And, and townhomes is still uh, still that seller's market. Um, I'm wondering, Paul, if you've seen any sort of changes in, in sort of client expectation or, or even what they want now. It's okay. It's 2022. We can do all these things. We're going into work. Maybe we're commuting again. We're not spending, you know, our whole lives at home. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe our housing expectation needs to change again, back to what it was in 2019. Do you have these clients who are maybe sort of reevaluating that whole picture?
2: Well, I think it all starts with, um, you know, it starts with your uh, friendly neighbourhood smile um, and uh, talk about, say, the downtown core, Vancouver in general, uh, in the grand scheme of things, you know, um, back to a kind of a normalised condition it's nice to know when you're uh, putting your open house signs out or just talking to your neighbors you know that's you know allowable and there's less masks and so Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know whether you're renting or you're buying in Vancouver it's kind of come back whatever that means which Mm -hmm. is nice Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I think out in for example if you talk about the Tri-Cities it's not too surprising where you know house um, now in this market would probably sell a hundred thousand dollars less um uh even having had renovations in the past recent month mm-hmm. you know trying to play catch up to that market yeah. um so that's an interesting uh shift
0: that's interesting and i i think like you were saying um ryan about the the chase for space uh, i think that people are, are still there chasing it but also since the weather is getting a little bit nicer everybody's just focused on other things at the moment, Mm -hmm. right? Spending more time outside, possibly going on vacation. Not really thinking about...
1: And not being home for a change. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So not really
0: thinking about being at home, not being at home, like you said. And so maybe it's just in the back of their mind. It's not Mm -hmm. so much that they are scared to be in the market, but they're just just the timing of it all, mm-hmm. right? How often do we get such nice weather in Vancouver <laughs> if <Since laughs> summer has finally decided to grace itself with that mm-hmm. to us? So yeah, I think maybe that that could perhaps be it as well.
2: If I could just actually add to that, um, along with the uh, the kind of more relaxed uh, way of thinking of going on vacations and mm-hmm. things. Uh, what one, the vocabulary of looky lose hasn't entered the, you know, the conversation for two yeah. years. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting. Cause, uh, we might, you know, the, the motivated seller or even buyer might think, well, you know, we don't want to have anything to do with lucky lose out there. And so Paul, like, um, uh, should we not put a for sale sign out there? Cause we didn't need to for two years. Um, but that's interesting. And I, you know, I would say, Hey, welcome to looky lose, because you know, it's, it's healthy and the people that were scared to do anything to do with real estate, well, at least they're taking a peek now. Mm -hmm. And that says something to emerging buyers, emerging sellers Mm -hmm. out there.
0: That is true. Actually, I think that through the, the course of the pandemic. Uh, we've been doing or switching the focus of open houses to open house by appointment only. So that really kind of, you know, eliminated the look you lose, like mm-hmm. the nosy neighbors, mm-hmm. right? Because if they weren't really that serious, they weren't going to make an appointment with you. Right. Right. So, yeah, like you said, if that maybe that for sale sign out in the front or just having an actual open house by not appointment you can allow those people to come back out again and, and mm-hmm. get reengaged.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's a first step for a number of people. Is you know maybe we want to move in a few months. Let's go see what's out there. Yeah.
0: So, Paul, can you share some examples that you might have uh, regarding clients who are, um, you know, entering into the detached market? So it could be a seller looking to to sell. Yep. And then, or buy afterwards, yeah, or yeah. somebody looking to buy into detached.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I do. Um, no, thanks, Justine. I think uh, you know one word that comes to mind is uh, absolute. Well, two words. It's absolute patience. Yeah. Um, and uh, for those that are going to you know work with with family members, you're going to have extreme patience, of course. Um, but I think um, patience comes in. You know, the days of uh, you know DocuSign is great, Authenticine is great, mm-hmm. and doing things online. But we can't forget that you know the seventy to ninety year old segment are our, our parents or our grandparents. Um, they're, they're needing, you know, a person who, to, to really listen and not just listen, you know, over text message, but to really like visit their homes, right. Mm-hmm. Give them a ride if you can. Um, whether it's talking about, you know, you know, uh, stumbling down the stairs or whether it's, you know, buying a home with stairs, um, or, you know, this process where it doesn't take nine days to sell a house anymore. Cause it'll take maybe a month or two. Yeah. And within that month or two, it's that touch point or Mm -hmm. many touch points that that, uh, make them feel like, you know, they have a great agent, uh, someone on their side. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, because buying a home, it's a very, I guess, anxious process. Right. Um, If you're not in contact with your agent on an ongoing basis, a lot of times you get very anxious or nervous as to what's going on. Are you missing something? Are they not informing us? Um, So, yeah, like you said, that touch point is really important, especially in a market like this where something's not going to sell within a week. You're going to be on the market a little bit longer and understanding why it's on the market for a little bit longer Mm -hmm. right? and what needs to be done. Definitely.
2: And if I can can add, it's, I mean, it's what a great time now, because things take a little longer, there's actually more time to explain, you know, why that, uh, why that professional floor plan makes a difference, you know, Mm -hmm. getting that extra square footage, you know, why the the professional photography of now it's, you know, 40 to 80 pictures that you can take, Mm -hmm. or even that drone video that can really showcase a bird's eye view. Uh, of someone swimming in a pool or driving a car up to the house, so it's really amazing. Uh, and and then now because it's such a team effort, not just with agents and your assistants, but you've got um, you know all the way from your conveyancing team all the way to uh, the marketing, the social media marketing whizzes out there. Um, I mean, it's it's amazing in one day of listing a home to get eight hundred. Uh, views on your Facebook with 87 likes and 10 written comments, right? And you've only had two, two, two lunches where you can show your video to, to friends. So it's amazing uh, the uh, the amount of resources out there.
0: So you've been keeping tabs on your, <laughs> your Facebook ads, I can see. Yeah. It's,
2: it's, good, to,
0: it's good to know. That's though. good. Healthy self-esteem apparently. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, so it gives you really that opportunity right now in this market to be able to really showcase yourself and distinguish yourself amongst other realtors out there, what you can offer. Um, Yeah, because like you said, something's not going to be... Just sold right away you actually have to put that effort in and um, set yourself apart from others
1: mm-hmm. yeah and i know we've talked about it on the podcast before but for a while there it just felt like people were just needed a house they were looking for a house and the market was so yeah. tight that's what they buy And now the features of the house matter the location matters the lot size matters the condition of the house all that stuff matters and that's where you know actually having the time to do your due diligence and understand what you need and what neighborhood and all that stuff really matters
0: I think people are going back to the fundamentals of, you know, home buying, mm-hmm. right? Isn't that what the whole point of buying a house is going in to take a look at something that you love, right? Or that you see a lot of great potential in and um, you're really um, invested in it and that you really want to put an offer on it, not just anything and everything that you could see that, you know, you might be able to afford, right? So um, you know, I feel like perhaps a lot of people have purchased something that may not necessarily have been their ideal, but in that situation, they really wanted to get into the market so i mean now is a great time than any other time to to buy because there is a lot of inventory out there and there's some people who are just taking a little bit of a break so why not go in there and sweep in and get it yourself right there you go yeah so this uh, brings us into insight number three. Prices have started to decline, but affordability isn't improving. So back to what we were just talking about there. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, can you elaborate a little bit more on this?
1: Yeah. So, you know, we, we're we seeing that prices have started to decline across all product types, across both board areas in the region. Um, so in the last month, the range was sort of 2 to 3%, depending on which product or which board. Um, but even after these price drops, we're still talking about big year over year increases in prices so anywhere from detached in the board of vancouver is still 13 percent year over year as it comes down uh t- townhomes in the valley are still up 27 percent year over year so again big big increases um and last month we talked about how most borrowers choose fixed rate mortgages most of them are on a five-year fixed and mm-hmm. they aren't immediately impacted they're only affected at renewal and so we talked about their options and how overall health of the market isn't necessarily impacted by these really quick rising rates so again the bank of canada just increased their overnight rate by a full percentage Mm -hmm. point most of the market had sort of penciled in 0.75 percent um so you know these rates are still rising really quickly inflation is almost eight percent nationally it's over eight percent in bc um And with all of this, um, you know, that's this sort of little solace for that first time buyer trying to get in the door. You know, there's, if they're listening, it's like, okay, Hey, great. Renewers aren't impacted, but I sure am. So what does this mean for me? Um, so we know that that rising prices over the last couple of years have sort of, um, they've really put first time buyers at a disadvantage because those with equity, they have a lot more they can work with. Uh, so what does is, what is these softening prices do for them? Um, so if we look at the more affordable product, let's say condos. So a first-time buyer is likely to buy a condo. Mm-hmm. And we look at benchmark prices for condos. Say in the Board of Vancouver, uh, they peaked in May, and they're only down 2% from that peak in May. Uh, if you look at a few areas like East Van or New West, maybe the more traditionally affordable markets to get into as first-time buyers, they peaked in April. They're down 2% and 1%. So, again, not much off of their peaks. And again, year over year, these areas are up 13% in the Board of Vancouver overall, 8% in East Van, and 15% in New West. So, you know, prices haven't moved all that much.
0: Mm-hmm. So, how much do these price de- declines offset the rising borrowing costs?
1: Um, yeah, so the, the answer is they really don't, um, <laughs> not to be flippant. Um, but yeah, they, they come against these rise, really quickly rising rates. So, with this latest Bank of Canada increase, on the overnight rate it's now up to two and a half percent, which is the highest since September 2008. So almost the highest of your career as an advisor, Paul, like that's, yeah. you know, a pretty significant increase. Um, and people will point out that historically, if you go back to 1935, they're still relatively low. But for a lot of us, like we've only known really low rates. So this is pretty serious and it's pretty high. So the big banks have already passed this along to their prime rates. Prime rates are now all 4.7% up from 3.7% just before this. Um, so that means that variable rates have gone up 2.25% this year. Um, five year fixed have gone up even more than that this year. And so how does that affect a first time home buyer with a pretty good saved up down payment, um, but no equity to lean on because they haven't ridden this wave of rising prices. Um, so let's, you know, we did an example last month. Let's do another one this month because it was so much fun last time. Mm -hmm. Um, so let's take East van it's. East Van condos can be an entry-level place for a lot of people. So the benchmark price is about 716000 So let's just round down and make it an even 700000 mm-hmm. So let's suppose you're a first-time buyer and you want to buy a $700,000 condo in East Van with a 20% down payment. So you've saved up $140,000. So you'll take a $560,000 mortgage. So in this example, if you had that older rate, say you qualified at 2.1% last year, and a 25-year amortization, your monthly payment is just under $2,400. You were probably stress-tested to a higher rate, mm-hmm. but that's what you would have paid monthly payment last year. So this year, now if you add a 2% price reduction to that $700,000, but a 2.25% higher interest rate. Mm-hmm it's a very different picture, and it's a tough one for that first time buyer. So let's even hold that down payment at 140,000. You saved it up, so you're taking a slightly, you're putting a slightly higher down mm-hmm. payment on. Uh, the price is now 688,000, a bit less. Yeah, Your mortgage is less at 548,000, but your monthly payments are up to $3,000 from 2400, which is a 24% increase in monthly payment.
0: If you think about it, that that increase, that difference is actually all going towards interest, not not any of it on the principal yeah, too. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. Um, and so in this example, this one example, if you wanted to know how much prices would have to fall for your, uh, basically for it to be a wash, so for the increase in your interest rate uh, to sort of offset by, mm-hmm. by falling prices to get it back to that $2,400 a month, it would have to fall to a $580,000. Dollar purchase price, which is almost the cost of that original mortgage we talked about. So that's a 17% price drop from peak, yeah. 16% price drop from today. So in other words, we'd need to see some pretty big price declines to offset these rising rates. So again, for a lot of people, you know, you have a property already, you're looking to sell, buy, move, um, and you can use your increased equity from all these price gains. But for these, these first-time buyers, and they are a small segment, but they're a very real segment, and they're you know an important part of our market. Um, it's pretty tough for them. These rising rates have really, really had a much bigger impact on their affordability than the rising prices did.
0: Yeah. So if you're thinking, you know, five hundred eighty thousand dollars, that it would have to come down to. So that's one hundred twenty thousand dollars from the original example that you you had yeah. set, right? That's for that same product. Right, and yeah. that the chances of that happening, I don't know, Paul. What do you think?
2: <laughs> hmm.
0: <laughs> Pretty slim.
2: It's um, it's a challenge for sure. Um, uh, but uh, you know, one thing we can't forget is that, uh, with the adjustment in interest rates and, and pricing, uh, that's always going to be a challenge. Um, but uh, th- again, the the buyers that actually haven't bought. Uh, with each showing that they do, each home that they see online and in, in person, especially if they haven't bought, we we can't forget that it's it's all this is all knowledge based, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know the the ones uh, first to, to knowledge, um, seem to do well in the end. So uh, you can't remember that these buyers they're prepared, right, mm-hmm. and they they're they're out in the battlefield and being on the front lines. So they've learned about subject-free offers, they've learned about bank drafts, mm-hmm. uh, they've learned that if, uh, you know, 10 documents are sent out before the offer date, it means something. Um, and and they've learned that, um, you know, they have to make that showing um, uh, a good one with that relationship with the leg- listing agent and you know, um, the, the couple, the seller that's selling because they have a one-year-old baby and it's hard for them to do showings, like these little, there's little gems and little opportunities that can uh, somewhat, I'm, I'm not going to say cover that you know, twenty dollars cost, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but in terms of uh, the knowledge of, hey, what is a rain screen building and what does that mean now when everything is fixed? Um, what does it mean when, um, you know, uh, there, are, there are gems out there that, uh, you know, if you can compete, and, um, you have the patience and the know-how and the strategy, um, both technically contractually and also, um, you know, in person, I think the buyer can win a lot and offset through that way and find their home.
0: Mm-hmm. Are you see, um, much subject free offers nowadays?
2: Uh, much less. Um, no. I mean, you know, I remember, you know, November last year is just a, you know, it was a, a house and we got 23 offers. And it was expected. Uh, Nowadays, um, I mean, whether it's uh, you know, six hundred thousand dollars or or five million dollars, you know, if you get you know two three offers on on uh, on offer date, if there is an offer date, um, then you know that's a good day. Yeah. Um, And I mean, maybe maybe um, the managing brokers out there can. Uh, let us know if this is correct or not, but
1: the, uh, I'm going to go out and say that. <laughs> oh, you know, no, Paul. <laughs> oh, I want to hear this now.
2: <laughs> you know, those DRPOs, uh, they were very, uh, very solid uh, in a hot market where okay. everyone knew that date. But now it's, you know, whether it's written or whether it's kind of verbally uh, said like, well, we'll see how the traffic is, you know, before we give you the date. I mean, those, it's, it's kind of a gray area that everyone's kind of falling in because I think both sellers and, and buyers are kind of seeing where the traffic is, where the hype is. Cause we're yeah. not sure.
0: Yeah. I think people are testing, testing the market right now. They, mm-hmm. they put their, their listing out. there, not really sure how it's going to be received. Right. It, it you know, DRPO would be great if, Yeah, if there was a lot of interest, but if there's no interest, there's really no point in in delaying any offers that could potentially come. Um, Yeah, of course, if we can delay it and get multiples, that would be great. But Mm -hmm. um, if there's nothing, yeah, take them as they come for sure. Mm -hmm.
1: Do you guys want to explain to our listeners what a DRPO is?
2: Oh, sure. We're we're looking at each
0: other. (laughs) You know what? I think. Um, Essentially it's a document for delayed offer presentation Um, and as a seller and your listing agent you can agree to decide whether or not it's a you know it's an opportunity if that's something that you want to do and you know in a hot market you know it might be good because it gives an opportunity for your property to be out and viewed several times by and have a lot of exposure Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. And uh, we know that um, you know, they're not looking at offers yet, not until that set date, say on Monday, you know, April the 16th or something like that. So there's, there's no rush. You're giving more people the opportunity to come in. But if um, there's no delayed in offer presentation date, it's basically offers as they come. Mm-hmm. So it could be the very first day you have somebody that comes in and takes a look at it. They love it. And um, there's no DRPO. So there's no delayed delayed date for offer presentation. Then they can submit an offer right then and there. So, it, you know, it's a, it's a tactic. It depends on the strategy of how, how you want to go about it. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you, you think it might be a hot property. You have a DRPO and, and nothing happens. So...
2: And, yeah. and uh, in saying that, it's like these tactics, they, they're they great, and they work, and there's a place for it, uh, but we can't forget that, um, you know, uh, things the things that stand the test of times is is really real service and real excellence, mm-hmm. and now we have the time uh, without that DRPO when there's no date, it's really, there's a the space and the time uh, for both when the buyers come in, and you're really working on behalf of your seller, of course, but um, you, you, you know, the buyers are half of the equation. So it's, uh, it's the buyers, it's their wives, their husbands, their kids, their babies even. And, and that, especially your fellow realtor you're on the other side, um, it's really actually telling them in person, I'm here to work with you together. Mm-hmm. And I think um, it's such an easy and, and it's a common sense thing, but um, to actually verbalize it and mean it. and and make them understand it is um, Mm
1: -hmm. key. It's a service business. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah, and and I think at the end of the day, you know, in a hot market for a delayed offer presentation, it's great because it allows people to do their due diligence, right? allows everybody that equal opportunity to compete um, going in with – you know, ensuring that they are able to actually read all the documents and get that inspection done if they can. So they can go in with an offer that they're comfortable with um, at the same time as everybody else, as opposed to trying to just eagerly put in an offer in in a hot market and um, going in subject-free without having possibly doing the inspection and reading any documentations and fully understanding what you're getting yourself into.
2: And if I can a- actually add, it's, you know... Um, our clients, our buyers, whether we're we're looking for a home for them is is really important, but uh, it takes a team of, you know, the ones on vacation, right? So (laughs) your your inspector, um, having them on hand, having a few inspectors on hand and having a Rolodex is is great to have that relationship um, so that they're ready for your buyer uh, when you want to inspect that home or whether you have that that question for your lawyer uh, in conveyancing and they're ready to, you know, pick up your phone call. Um, it's really important to have that team behind you during the process.
0: Yeah, so Paul, are you able to share perhaps some ex- examples of um, some experiences you might have with first-time home buyers?
2: Yeah, you know what? We love it, and I just heard it, uh, I think it was uh, this morning, actually. It was, uh, Paul, let's pounce on it. Mm. Oh. And uh, I think, you know, we, we love to hear that, uh, but we don't love to hear it when it's reckless, but when it comes from a place where this person, on the other hand, and especially if you're talking about a first-time home buyer, which um, you know would never say that in their first, you know, months to two months of looking for a home, but after their experience and their education, and you know, falling on, you know, not making a, a few deals, um, to, to have this confidence to go out and say, you know, I want this and I'm ready, because we've gone through so much, we know what strata documents look like. Uh, we, we know the difference between a wood frame and concrete building uh, a five year as opposed to a 25 year old home mm-hmm. and what that means um, and uh, you know it's great to hear that you know the confidence that you've always had as an agent um, now it's you know passed on to your buyer yeah. who's just ready to go for it and you know what uh, it doesn't guarantee that they're going to win the home but you know that uh, they're motivated. They're serious, and they're going to be a great contender if there are multiple offers.
0: That's great. Awesome. That's great, Paul. Thanks for those examples. So I have a question for Ryan. Actually, let's just to talk mm-hmm. about this this announcement that happened on July 13th of the interest rate increase. What's your thoughts on that and, and take on that? I just want to really dig a little bit more and get yeah, sure,
1: from sure. So I think I think anyone who looked at you know what all the economists out there were saying was that expect a 75 point basis increase. And we saw a hundred point mm-hmm. basis point increase. So this was more than the market expected, but I, I, I would like to remind everyone that the Bank of Canada doesn't actually want to surprise people. This was sort of what everyone guessed. And it's actually their, one of their, their big things when they write their press releases is to sort of forward signal what they're going to do. And so last time they forward signaled that expect a big rate increase, it was just ended up being bigger than people expected. And I think in part, because of how high not only is inflation in Canada, but around the world. Um, and so there's something in this press release as we read through it. And I encourage anyone who cares about this to read the press release because there's mm-hmm. a lot of good stuff in there. In the last paragraph, they say that interest rates will need to rise further, not may need to rise further. There's no there's no sort of hesitation yeah. in their language. Will They will raise rates again this year. There's two more uh, announcements coming. The next one is uh, in September expect another increase. So expect interest rates to rise more this year. Um, And then when we sort of look at what the market is saying, which again, they're guessing, uh, one thing I find interesting is how much fixed rates have come out of line from historical norms. So really quickly, um, the five-year fixed rate is now higher than the 10-year fixed. So historically, you pay a higher interest rate for 10 years than five years because you pay for security. Mm-hmm. So now um, five years is higher than 10 years, which means that everyone expects interest rates to peak and then come back down. Right. And the one year is higher than the three year. So again, the market is telling us they believe interest rates will peak in the next year. So th- again, this is all sort of forecasting by banks and bond markets and things. Um, and a whole bunch of people smarter than me are sort of making these guesses. But I think it's worth noting that the Bank of Canada is saying interest rates will continue to rise and the market is saying interest rates will con- continue to rise in the short term. But in the long term, we'll see. We're not going to guess it. What's going to happen three years from now? But, um, you know, expect interest rates to rise in the short term because the Bank of Canada said so. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think, um, I don't know if it's, um, you were, or Ryan Berlin, you guys were talking about the interest rates potentially going up. Um, so they did say it was going to be a big increase. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody was forecasting 0. 0.75 of a point, and I, I do believe you guys, you know, maybe not on the podcast, but had had said that you guys think it might go up to go up by one point. So I, I guess you predicted right. Unfortunately,
1: that that wasn't me. That was Ryan Berlin. But yes, either one of you, <laughs> I classify you both as the same. <laughs> one of the Ryans. So, Paul, given that I think a lot of people are expecting rates to rise, and like we just said, the Bank of Canada is telling us rates will continue to rise, is that sort of weighing in on some of your clients' decisions in terms of, um, like we talked about, there's less urgency than there was, and I know people can get their pre-approvals and things, but knowing that, you know, again, the Bank of Canada is telling us the rates are going to rise more, is that weighing, factoring into some of your clients' decisions on whether to buy, sell now, wait and see these different options that they have
2: Absolutely. It is uh, affecting their decisions right now. Um, it's interesting. I think there's two different camps. Uh, uh, you, you know, you can you can uh, react to what's happening around you right now uh, with both sellers and buyers and be really affected by it. And people are out there. Um, I mean, there's blood out there, right, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we can't forget, and I keep using this term uh, today, but um, we can't forget that uh, real estate is a long-term game. mm mm-hmm. And um, in the short term, uh, it's going to be challenging. Um, There's a lot of uncertainty out there. And I think everyone's kind of scrambling to make sense of this uh, kind of postpartum period. Um, But in long term, you know what, Uh, you know, I think we all learned in childhood that what goes up must come down. Uh, We don't know when that is. But I think if uh, people really um, get educated um, they get their experience and they team themselves with uh, good, um, agents out there. And, um, I think they'll, they'll do okay in the long run mm-hmm. and you just have to kind of wait it out a little bit and, um, it's okay. It's okay to take your time and start building those relationships.
0: Great. That's great, Paul. Thank you so much. So today's on today's podcast, we've covered three main insights. Market activity slowed in June much more than the typical seasonal decline. The single family segment is detached from the multifamily market and prices have started to decline, but affordability isn't improving. So Paul, is there any final advice um, or thoughts that you want to share with any potential home buyers or home sellers out there listening to the podcast?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Um... And you know what it brings back to our our podcast and what we're doing here today and what we're accomplishing. But uh, if I can think of one word, it's uh, it's a listen. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Uh, It's listen to others, listen to experts uh, and uh, no need to react too quickly to anything, really, because uh, it's all a storm and we know storms blow over.
0: For people who want to get in touch with you to get a little bit more information, how can they best reach you?
2: Well, you know, aside from, you know, 604-716-0483, uh, you'll, st- you'll see that uh, friendly neighborhood smile and uh, make sure you smile back.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. You can also find Paul on the Rennie website at com slash Paul Wong. Thank you so much, Paul. This wraps up this episode of the Rennie Podcast. To dig deeper into the data, be sure to check out the latest Rennie review and other intelligence information on runny.com intelligence. Be the first to receive this information straight into your inbox. Register for intelligence updates. Thank you so much, Paul, again for your time and sharing your, your stories with us. And thank you, Ryan, for, for joining us today too. We appreciate your time.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Justine. Thanks, Thanks Paul. Thanks, Justine. Thanks, thank Ryan. Thank you.
0: Have a great day, everyone. The Rennie Podcast is a Rennie production and is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, all resources mentioned in the episode can be found on Rennie.com.